Well, good evening, everyone. It is uh, great to be back together this evening and back in the book of Acts. Um, and as we turn to the passage this evening, um, I think Steve's already been, been expressing his excitement. We are in for a treat um, here this evening. We're in for a treat uh, because we are coming face to face in this passage with the everyday living of the very first Christians, what their gatherings together look like. And I think we can sum all that we see up in the title I've put up there for tonight. What we see in our passage here this evening is a devoted, spirit-filled community. A devoted, spirit-filled community. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing for someone to describe us as here at Great Vic? A community that shines out into the darkness of Belfast. A community that's devoted to each other. A community that is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a community that is being transformed and guided by the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. So as we look at this passage this evening, let's allow it to inspire us. To inspire us and and to challenge us. Let's let God's word here point us in the direction of how we can increasingly be this kind of community here in the center of Belfast. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've witnessed the arrival, um, as promised, of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then we've seen Peter's first evangelistic sermon, where he was proclaiming Christ. And the result that we read about in verse 41 is incredible, isn't it? If you've got a Bible, look with me. Verse 41, Acts chapter 2, says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people come to Christ. We can see here the Spirit is moving. He is at work. But as we see that, notice a key word here that's going to run through our rest of our passage In verse 41, we read that those who received the word were added. That is added, you see, to the 120 initial believers that we read about back in chapter 1. There is no sense that as these 3,000 individuals come to trust in Christ, they then disappear back off, going off in their own directions and getting on with their own individual lives, nothing to do with each other. No, they were added together with the other believers. And if you glance with me to the end of our passage for this evening, to verse 47, we see the same language again. Even more clearly here, I think, it says, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What we see here in Acts is that as people become Christians, they become a part of a wider community a part of God's people, together, united together in Christ, they become this community. And as we seek to learn then from the model that we're given here this evening, uh, here's the first thing I want us to stop and notice in this passage. And that is simply the priority that Luke shows us of the community, of these Christians regularly meeting together. See, becoming a Christian and becoming a part of a community, what we today would call a church, even if it's not named here in Acts, they come together. 
They have to. Look with me at the repeated emphasis that we see in this passage. We'll consider the specifics in a minute, but look at what we see repeated. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, that is, to each other as Christians. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. The picture here is really striking, isn't it? This is a people who are meeting together, and they're doing it regularly. We see that they are meeting together formally and informally. They're sharing life together. They're learning together. They are praising God together. They're providing for each other. They're meeting together in temple courts and in each other's homes. And we see this kind of community living as Christians, modeled and promoted to us in the rest of the New Testament. Listen to how Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 puts it. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. It's a priority that we as Christians regularly meet with others. Why? Well, because it's good that we do that. Did you hear in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 there? Part of why we meet together is to stir up one another to love and good works. And it says that we meet, we encourage each other as we meet. As Christians, Steve opened with this in 1 Peter, we are like living stones. That's the image, being built up together as God's spiritual house. And as Christians, we're also told in 1 Corinthians that we are members together of the same body. Hands, feet, eyes, ears, each individual members, but members together of the body, working together and caring for each other. We are not meant to do life in isolation. We're meant to do life alongside others. Just as an individual coal taken out of that fire, that burning fire, it so quickly becomes cold. Well, that is the Christian who doesn't meet regularly with others. So let me just encourage you this evening to make meeting regularly with other Christians a priority for you in your life. And the most obvious way of doing that is by regularly going along to and joining a church. And then, as you join that church, throwing yourself into what's going on. Joining and getting stuck into a local church is an absolute gift, an incredible gift. Heather and I have loved being here amongst you this past year and a bit. It is a means that God uses for us to be encouraged together as we meet, building each other up. We meet with other local believers, believers who we can know and genuinely share life with. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Why do I say then join a church, I guess, specifically, rather than just meeting up here and there with other Christians? And I think the answer is clear, because that is the pattern that the New Testament promotes and shows for us. It shows us local churches being established in different towns and cities and villages, and in those churches, elders appointed to oversee those gatherings and of instruction, care, encouragement, accountability, and discipline, all happening then in this community where we genuinely know each other as local believers. 
See, that is what a church is. It isn't the buildings that we drive past. It's a body of God's people meeting together locally, devoting, to ser- devoting each other, devoted to each other, and devoted to serving the Lord. We have this opportunity, this incredible opportunity as Christians to meet together, to be built up. So let's take that opportunity. And as we see what is modeled here in the wider New Testament model, let me just ask you directly, would you genuinely say that you are devoting yourself to meeting together with other believers in a local church? Is that a priority for you in your life? Or can really church be more of this, take it or, well, take it or leave it? And by, by church, I don't just mean a Sunday there. Not just a Sunday morning or evening, take it or leave it. But, but can serving others in the church, well, this week, that's a take it or leave it thing. Or, or can coming to a midweek prayer meeting or a small group, well, is that more take it or leave it? Or can, can we say meeting up with other people to encourage each other over, over a coffee? That's take it or leave it this week. Now, life is busy. We cannot do everything. You look through this bulletin, you cannot come to everything that is here. That is fine. But what we see modeled here in Acts chapter 2 is this devotion devotion of meeting together in all kinds of ways because the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. How does your life reflect that? Well, perhaps here's the challenge then to go away with and think about this week. How could your life increasingly reflect that, this devotion to other Christians? Well, with that question in mind, let's turn then to some specifics, because that's what we're going to see here. What, what should meeting together as this devoted, spirit-filled community look like and involve? And here, as we go through the passage, we're going to see five priorities for us as a community. Five priorities for us to increasingly pursue as we seek to be this spirit-filled community. The first P, then, of what our priorities should be. Just before we go there, actually, let me just, uh, let me just say, what we see here, I think, in this passage is uh, there at the start of verse 42 uh, through to verse 43, we kind of see this heading, this summary uh, of what's, what the people are doing together. And then what we see in 44 to 47 is this unpacking in a little bit more detail. So, so here's the first part of this summary, then, in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There are four things we read that these early Christians are devoted to, and the first is this, preaching and pouring over God's word. We've already heard one of the apostles, Peter, uh, teaching the crowds and calling them to repentance. That's what we saw last week. And here, we see that the teaching is also happening within the church community. We read in verse 46 of the believers attending the temple together. And it seems likely that this would have been an opportunity for the apostles to teach to a larger group of believers. And the apostles, of course, remembering here, are the ones who Jesus has spent his life with. And the one who we read in in Luke chapter 24, Jesus had opened their minds to understand the scriptures. No wonder they were going to the apostles Filled by the Holy Spirit and with Jesus' teaching ringing in their ears, the apostles now publicly teach. 
And we read in Acts chapter 5 that this not only happened in the temple courts, but also more locally, from house to house. And notice here the word used to describe the appetite of the people. They devoted themselves to this teaching. This is no, sure, well, I'll sit through what this guy's got to say, I guess. I mean, maybe I'll check my Instagram feed, see what else is happening in the world, um, think about what I'm making for dinner, whatever, what's, for, what's to eat when I get home. That is not the attitude here, is it? What is expressed is this deep hunger. As one writer puts it, the people sat at the apostles' feet, hungry to receive instruction. And they persevered in that day by day. Now, today we don't have the apostles who teach us, but what we have is the apostles' teaching, written down for us in books like the one that we're in this evening, in the book of Acts, and the other books of the New Testament. And, of course, we more widely have the whole inspired word of God, the Old Testament. The apostles regularly, we saw that last week, turned back to the Old Testament as God's word. And knowing this, that is why here at Great Vic, we take seriously and prioritize regular teaching from the Bible. Every Sunday morning and evening. Not just some teaching in some light way as well. Some, well, here's, here's a little thought for your week. No, what we prioritize is the careful, thorough unpacking of a passage and then, crucially, the applying of that passage into our everyday lives. How is that relevant for me this week? Where does that passage meet me as God's word? It's been awesome, hasn't it? The last three weeks, if you've been with us in, Dan- in Daniel, it has been incredible. <laughs> I've loved sitting in the book of Daniel, a book that at first glance, it seems, well, it's so far away from us, so distant, not only in geography, but in history as well. And yet, as Steve has been unpacking it for us, hasn't it been so relevant? That is God's word to us. And that is why each week we want to prioritize this preaching of God's word. Prioritize it because God's word is living and active. We read that it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It makes us wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. That is God's word. And as God's word is taught then, in this way, the flip side of the teaching, of course, is the learning. And this seems to be what these first Christians are devoted to. So as we see this, we, each of us, have to ask ourselves, am I also devoted to learning from God's word? Is that a priority for me as I come to church? As the preacher is preaching, am I actively listening and engaging in a way that will then allow God's word to continue to bear fruit in my life as I respond to it in the week ahead? And of course, what's in view here isn't just preaching. There's teaching from home to home. And the incredible reality is that today, each of us have God's revealed words in our hands. We carry it with us in our homes. We can take it with us to coffee shops and discuss it with others. We can study it in our small groups right across the city. As a church, what we see here, we must prioritize. We must keep God's word front and center. 
taking it seriously. And as a people together, then also seek to be humbly and hungrily those who are shaped and taught by God's word. Here's how one writer puts it as he sees the example here in the book of Acts. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. Let's seek to increasingly be this kind of Spirit-filled community going forward. And then the second priority then, if we see in this passage, it's one we've already mentioned here in passing, but it's worth emphasizing again and seeing the specifics of it, and that is the partnering with other believers. In verse 42, we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. In some ways, perhaps uh, fellowship is a better word. I've gone with the P there because I wanted some five Ps, so stick, stick with me. Um, but, but in some ways, fellowship is also a bit of a misunderstood word. It's something we don't do over coffee. Something magical happens as we share fellowship after church. But hopefully here, as we unpack it, this will be helpful for us. The point here is, as we've already said, these spirit-filled believers see and realize that they now have something in common with each other that runs deeper than any family bond. And that is that they share in the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of God is living in them. These Christians realize that there is this unbreakable connection. And so they then also seek to live out this reality by devoting themselves to each other, which is what we saw at the beginning. We'll see this again in a moment, but notice that, first of all, as they spend time together and share meals, look at verse 47. They end up, as a result of this time together, praising God. And that really isn't surprising, is it, when we, when we think about it? Partnering with other believers means speaking about and praising God together. We share, you see, don't we, a spiritual fellowship, a spiritual partnership with other believers as we together remember God's goodness to each of us. How can we keep pursuing that here at Great Vic? Well, perhaps it might mean regularly stopping to pray and give thanks with other believers at the end of a service. Maybe for something that's struck us. Or pray with someone about what's going on in their lives. Or not being so ashamed of speaking about what God has been teaching you in your life. As we meet together informally and formally, let's purposefully as a church talk with each other about God. And look for ways, as we said earlier, to stir one another up to love and good works, encouraging each other in the faith, praising God together. That's the first kind of way we see here, the partnership. And notice the second way that these believers partner with each other. Not just spiritually, praising God together, but also practically. Verse 42 goes on to say that they devoted themselves then to the breaking of bread. And given that this is repeated down in verse 46, in that, in that context, clearly in this context of, of sharing meals together, this is probably a wider sense than just the Lord's Supper. Of course, as they shared meals, it's almost inevitable that they talked to each other about Christ and reminded each other of what he had done for them. But, but what we see here is this, in some sense, sense of, a, of daily practical living together. Seeing this example here, we see them eating together in each other's homes. There's a simple question. 
When do we do this? When was the last time that you expressed your partnership or fellowship with someone else in this church by inviting them to have a meal with you? It doesn't even necessarily have to be a meal. You could be the worst cook out there. When's the last time you had a biscuit and a cup of tea? We can all just about stretch to that, can't we? Or when was the last time then you said to someone, let's, let's go for a coffee this week? We need to keep prioritizing this here as a church. It's one of the ways that we're going to have to prioritize going forward, I think, as we, at the moment, are are seeing this growth that's going on. We naturally are not going to get to know each other just by meeting together on a Sunday. We need to look for ways that we can invest purposely in other relationships, and as we do that, ways that we can bless other people. I'd love to have a whole sermon to speak about this kind of Christian devotion what this kind of hospitality could bring to us as a community here at Great Vic. Maybe we can do that in the future. But let's not leave here this evening without being challenged by what we see here. Because if you you just notice with me the extent of this kind of practical partnership and sharing that's going on, look in verses 44 and 45. It says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing it, the, the proceeds, to all, as any had need. Now, we first of all have to say, I think, because often there's this misconception, this is, this is no call to communism, what we see here. See, it, it says that they were selling uh, their possessions as any had need. And what we see clearly as well later on in the book of Acts that is that these Christians, it's not that they suddenly became a Christian and sold everything and put it all into one pot. No, they, they still have their possessions and belongings, but they don't treat their possessions and belongings as their own to be clung to. In fact, they see what they own as something that they can use to bless others with. Either sharing it with others, like their homes, sharing meals together, or actually genuinely selling what they have to give to somebody who is in need. I wonder if that's how God, you think about all that God has given you in your life, your possessions and belongings. It's pretty radical, isn't it? In verse 46, we read that the people had glad and generous hearts. Can we not see here the spirit at work? Spirit-filled believers. Because they've been reminded by the spirit that all that they have and are enjoying is a gift from a gracious God. And I think today, in a save-all-you-can, buy the biggest house, your life is your own culture, we need this reminder, don't we, from God's word. This is how we should view our possessions and belongings. And actually, even thinking beyond that, the talents and abilities that God has given us. Every single one of those things is something that we can use to bless others. Just imagine if picking up on this picture, here at Great Vic, this week we took this call seriously. And even just this week did one thing. One thing with our possessions. One thing with our homes, with our money, with our talents to bless someone, to provide for somebody, 
provide for a need that somebody has. It could be offering a lift. It could be taking a food parcel. It could be helping to go fix something that someone's been saying, I need to get this fixed and I haven't got around to it. Whatever it is, just imagine if every single person here did something this week to bless another believer in the church. Wouldn't that be incredible? It's a powerful way, too, that we witness this partnership, this unity that we have as Christians, the fellowship we share together in Christ. We are, as we live like this, embodying the gospel. And as we do that, we embody it for the rest of the world to see. And they see that there is something different. And we're going to see that in a little bit. So that's our first two priorities as we seek to be a devoted, spirit-filled community. Here's number three. And that is praising God. We've already mentioned this, but I think we, it, we have to go there again because it is crucial. As a church, a community of believers, we must be those who are continually praising God. Verse 47 specifically says that this was a mark of these Christians' gatherings as they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And again, I don't think this is just because of the food they have received. This is more, more than that. This is the grace that they've received from their God. Remember, we thought about this last week, didn't we? Some of these believers might well have been in the crowd that called out to Pilate and said, crucify him. They called for Christ to be crucified, and yet the Spirit has moved them. He has opened their eyes. The Spirit has filled them. And they, even those ones who called for Christ to be killed, they today are knowing full and final forgiveness for their sins. How can they not be praising God as a result of that? And that is true for every believer there. Now, how the believers express this praise isn't made clear here. Although elsewhere in Acts, we see Paul and Silas singing hymns to God. But it seems like, once again, this happened publicly and privately. As we see in verse 47, in their homes, we probably were also praising God in the temple. It's regularly what you went to the temple to do. Whatever the specifics, again, I think as we see this example, we apply it to today. And in applying it to today, I think we ask the question, are we as a church, one that continually praises God like this. We need to ask the Spirit to stir our hearts, to praise our God more and more, that that would be what our lives are about together. For example, we sing, we sing songs of praise, don't we, each week here at Great Vic? We began this evening, didn't we? Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. But here's the challenge. Even as we do that, do we mean it when we're singing? I know we're in a reserved culture, but let me just encourage you that when we sing with a smile or, or sing even just with some kind of devotion in our, in our faces, in our eyes, there is so much encouragement for that for other believers too as they praise God likewise. It is a joy to get the opportunity to often on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening look out here and see people who are singing like they mean it. Singing, rejoicing, being moved by the great truths that we sing. Moved by the praiseworthiness of our God. So we don't just mouth what we sing, we sing it 
with meaning. And of course, we don't just praise God through singing. We can do that as we talk to each other, can't we? Sharing something of the praiseworthiness of God and and how maybe we've seen that recently in something that we've been studying. It would be great if even more of our conversations here at Great Vic began and ended with God. Remember, we have a God who deserves all praise, all glory, all honor. Let's not be ashamed as Christians to go actually believe that and to talk about that with others. And of course then, praising God also is something that we do in prayer. And that's our fourth priority, as we see here at this devoted, spirit-filled community, that we should be praying. See there in verse 42, this is the final thing that we're told that the believers are devoted to. The prayers. And in saying it like this, it's a bit odd, the prayers, rather than just prayer. Perhaps what we're maybe seeing here is this uh, beginning of something of this more formal Christian set prayers, as well as kind of informal ones that you might be um, sharing and, and praying in your homes. Remember, Jesus had taught his disciples, hadn't he, back in Luke chapter 11, the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps what we see here is, is the first of these kind of more liturgical prayers, more prayers that more formally are set out. Often that would have been how the Jews would have prayed in the temple as well. But then there also seems to be this sporadic prayer, this, this praising God that just happens as and when as they meet together. Whatever the case may be, once again, the question is, are we as a church one that prioritizes prayer? And prioritizes praying together, not just individually. A church that never prays is one that essentially says to God, do you know what, God? You're not really worthy of our praise. And it's a church that also essentially says, don't worry, God, we have got this covered. We'll take it from here. What a thing to say to God. Let's not be guilty of saying something like that by not praying. We need to be those who come regularly on our knees in prayer to our God, thanking him, praising him for his mercy towards us, and then also asking him to help us and use us going forward. But we only ever do that in his strength, never in our own. So how can we make prayer more of a norm here at Great Vic? I've already mentioned perhaps making a priority for you to pray with others that you're talking to after the service. If they mention something meaningful, pray with them. That would be beautiful to see. And it would be great as we commit our lives to God. And then pray with people in your houses who you live with. Pray with families. Pray with someone in your, uh, someone, a work colleague who's a Christian. Pray with people in your small group. Pray with people at prayer meetings on Wednesday night. Uh, And as we pray together on a Sunday, let's actively listen and pray together. Pray with the person leading us in prayer. Add your amen loud and clear for them to hear at the end, saying, yes, Lord, I agree. We are seeking your face together. Now, Lord, please answer our prayers. Whatever the specifics, Let's, let it be said of us here at Great Vic, they are a people devoted to prayer. So there we've got our four explicit priorities named in this text, but I've said there's five. So, so let's now finish with this fifth and final priority. And we see this, I think, a little bit more subtly. 
but we see it just as clearly. This devoted, spirit-filled community prioritizes proclaiming Christ to the world. In verse 43, we haven't gone there yet, we read that as the believers met together, they lived out these priorities, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. As we've already seen, this community, this is a worshipping community, isn't it? This is a spirit-filled community. They're taking God's word seriously. They're praising God and they're praying to their God. And as they do that, they seem to be increasingly aware of the awesomeness of their God. Awe falls, falls upon them. This is the work of the Spirit, revealing their God to them. But notice that it doesn't just say here that it is only these Christians who awe comes upon. Awe comes upon every soul. We'll look specifically at the signs and wonders done through the apostles um, if you're with us in a couple of weeks' time as we see Peter and John heal this lame beggar. In many ways, those signs, they, they authenticate the, the words and the truth of what the, the apostles are speaking. And, and the point here, I think, is this. This community, how they're living, what they're doing, and what they're talking about, what it is causing people to stop and take notice. See what it says in verse 47. They had favor with all the people. The community around this community, they can't help but stop and take notice of what's happening. These Christians, they're different. They're loving. They're joyful. They're hope-filled. They don't cling to what they've got, but they offer it generously to others. And as people are stopping and taking notice, we realize that something else must have been happening. Something else. Look at that final sentence in verse 47, because we read there that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As these believers lived out their new faith in Christ, they then were proclaiming Christ. Proclaiming Christ to their neighbors, to their families, to their friends, as they stopped and took notice. And as the apostles taught in the temple and from house to house, they presumably did the same. At no point does this devoted, spirit-filled community become some kind of insular social club where they just, well, let's just hang out with each other and make each other feel good. No, these Christians, they can't keep themselves to themselves, can they? They go out and they tell people in Jerusalem and then later on, as we'll see, tell people beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, we know Jesus. Do you know him? Come to him. These Christians proclaim Christ. And that's why, as a church, our sort of mission or vision statement here at Great Vic reads like this We exist to glorify God by enjoying and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not just to be enjoyed, it must be enjoyed, mustn't it? If we truly understand the grace of our God, we enjoy the gospel. It is our hope. It is what we stand on. It is our unshakable rock and foundation. But our gospel is then also to be proclaimed. 
proclaimed as we do here each and every week from the pulpit, but then also proclaimed as each and every one of us, as God's people, go out from here, go to our workplaces, go to our streets, go to our homes, and and then proclaimed as we as a church, then in the weeks to come, seek to knock on doors in the Sandy Row area and the markets area, Proclaimed as we speak with the children in the village area and put on our summer outreach. Proclaimed as we go and stand on the street corner there or in front of the Europa and tell people about Jesus. We have good news to be proclaimed. And the incredible thing is that as we do that, we can know with certainty that the Lord is continuing to do the very same work that he was beginning here 2,000 years ago. Day by day, adding to the number of believers. The Lord is building his church. As Jesus himself said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We proclaim Christ. And as we reflect then on all of this this evening, here I guess is what I'd love us to do from here. If If you haven't been perhaps writing anything down, um, here's an excuse, maybe pull out, pull out a phone or something. Take a photo of those five Ps that are on there or write them down on your phone or on a piece of paper or just try and get them in your head. And then, I just love us, maybe this week, just to take one of those priorities, one priority each and every day, and just ask yourself this question, is this something that I personally am prioritizing in my life? And is it particularly then something that I am prioritizing as I gather with other believers? How can each and every one of us increasingly seek to live out and live by these priorities as we gather together as a church? And then the second thing also, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying in light of what we've just seen. Pray for us as a church this week, for us, that we would keep pursuing each of these priorities, that we would keep these main central things main and central. Pray for us as elders as we seek to do that and direct us and and lead us as we do that. And then pray for all of us. Pray that each of us individually, as we meet and come together, would increasingly be united, this united, spirit-filled community like we see in this passage. All, not for our praise and glory, but for the praise and glory of our Savior and our God. Let's pray together then as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible picture of these first believers as they gathered together. Lord, we thank you for what we see here of the glorious unity and joy that we can have as believers, united together in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the clarity here in your word of of these priorities that these Christians had. Please, Lord, would you help us to increasingly seek to be these people who prioritize these things, the preaching of your word. Lord, the partnership that we have together. Lord, praising you, praying together, and then proclaiming Christ. Lord, would that be increasingly true? Would we be here at Great Vic a devoted, spirit-filled community? And Lord, we can only ever do that in your strength and by your Spirit's work. So we ask that you would do that amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to 
close by singing uh, once again. We're going to sing this uh, song, Come People of the Risen King. That is what we are together, isn't it? People who come and delight to bring praise to our God, as we've been thinking about. Let's stand as the musicians play. able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.